everybody and welcome to the true crime squad this is katie weaver i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody happy wednesday happy february 1st yes it's impulse question today mark, question mark question mark like mm -hmm. exclamation point yeah <laughs> yes goodbye january goodbye yes mm -hmm. we also have made it through the 10 darkest months or weeks of the year months <laughs> uh, <laughs> weeks of the year and now we are into the lightning so that's amazing that all of it's good amazing. yeah thank you sarah yes i did redo my wild and crazy hair yeah <laughs> i was like see this is a hot mess right here <laughs> <laughs> you're like this not must not be about me no <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> uh, well welcome and uh, and happy Wednesday for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness, there's a lot uh, going on to share. So welcome to everybody in the chat, of course. And uh, regardless of whether you are watching on Facebook or YouTube, uh, all of the chat funnels into us. So uh, yep. we see you and uh, we appreciate you. We're glad you're here. <gasps> Cranky saw the sun for the first time in weeks. We finally got sun earlier this week, but it was accompanied with 30 below weather. Yeah. So real shitty. Thanks, Idaho. <laughs> it's going to be gray as hell or cold as hell. You don't get, yeah. Yeah, because it won't get that cold if we have cloud cover. So it's no. nice and clear and then, yeah, 30 below. It's been something. It's yeah. warming up a little bit, though. It's 14 right now. Yeah. We got to 21 whole degrees here in Idaho Falls today. Yeah. And, and to think that I was grateful for that is very screwed up. That just tells you exactly where we've been. I walked from Costco to the car without a sweater on. I don't want to brag, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I am impressed. Right? It's been something. Well, speaking of something, holy shit, there's a lot going on. Big things going on. Yes, there are. I, I think we have to get into it, but I, I want to talk about something first because it's just really important and I do not want to miss it. This is something that was posted today on the MMIW site Yes. And hold on, I got to get rid of that banner. We won't be able to see it. Mm. We can get rid of the banner. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> there you go. Uh, this was posted on MMIW, uh, the, their uh, Facebook page. And I think that it needs to be called out uh, from the rooftops. This says, anyone and everyone has permission to share. Keep sharing as much as possible. If Homeland Security is telling us to spread the word, we now see how serious MMIW is getting. So this is someone who had posted this that said, yesterday, while I was at Sundance in Pine Ridge, I was talking with one of the unsees. They uh, asked who all I came with, which way I came, etc. I said I tried a different route and went through the interior. One of them said, you can't be traveling alone. You need to have someone with you. There was a woman, 42, going back uh, to the Kyle through interior, she hit a porcupine. She stopped to check her car. Then a van pulled up. Two Asian men got out. The next thing she remembers is a stinging in her neck and waking up in Iowa. They gave her another shot on the side of her neck and she woke up in Chicago. They were at a gas station. A passenger was putting gas in. The driver was just sitting there. She saw a cop at the gas station. So she started hitting and screaming at the driver. The cop came over to see what the domestic dispute was about. The guy pumping gas ran. The guy driving was arrested. They went to the PD. She told them what happened. They, in turn, called the FBI. The FBI called Homeland Security. Homeland Security told her, you need to tell your people, your Native women are being sold for $100,000 a person. You need to tell everyone you know. Jesus Christ. We don't know exactly well, where this came from, but... No. I'm still telling it because we know that Native women are are uh, disappearing at a rapid rate. They're disappearing right. out of South Dakota at a rate that should be terrifying. It is yeah. terrifying. Mm -hmm. 
and other places. So we're sharing it for that reason. We'll share it over on our Facebook page later tonight too, so that you guys can share it. But that's information that needs to be continually circulated that Native American women need to have their all of their guards up right now. They are not safe. No. But if that is in fact the case, why is there not a national alert? I mean, I will know. I can mm-hmm. tell you exactly why there's not a national alert, but shouldn't they? Yeah. My God. Yeah, you bet there should. Yeah, you need to tell your people. Yeah. Well, people aren't. Yeah, but that also means how do women go to work, take care of their families, go buy groceries, and so on and so forth, that they are so unsafe right now that they can't be going anywhere alone. Right. It's terrifying. Hey, Barbara. So anyway, I wanted to share that first so we didn't forget. I think that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So should we lead out with the big uh, belligerent turd circus that's currently going on? Which one? <laughs> Uh, Alec Murdoch. Oh my goodness. Yes. Let's, so, let's do. As we know, not friend of the show, <laughs> Murdoch is uh, currently on trial for the murder of his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul. So a lot of interesting things have come out in court thus far, and we wanted to share a few of them with you. One of the things we talked about last week is that there was going to be in evidence a Snapchat video that Paul took that was basically going to destroy the alibi of Murdoch because he claimed that he was in the house taking a nap. Basically, he claimed that they were having dinner. They had dinner together. At some point, Maggie and Paul went out to the dog kennels, though he's been kind of sketch on that. Either Maggie went out there and Paul left or he thought he left or whatever and that he took a nap on the couch and eventually decided to go check on his mother who uh, had alzheimer's and was uh, very poorly and Mm -hmm. left and then when he came back that maggie and paul were dead that's loosely the story right well he's got a big old problem with his story first and it's all about their phones the the phone data that's coming out is blasting absolute holes in all of it but the video has now been released so i wanted to share that first so i'm going to share the video two ways i have the the video that's been released and then i did some uh i pulled it into my editing software and really blew it up and pulled as much of the background out of it as i can it sounds a little weird it sounds a little uh creepy to be honest but you can really hear his voice well so I'll show you the first one first. This is what uh, was released into evidence. Get back. Get back. Quick, Cash. Come on. Quick. That's okay. Come here. Come here, Cash. Oh, shit. Come here. Post it. Get back. Hey, he's got a bird in his mouth. Oh, Hey, Bubba. Okay, so the dog that you're seeing is a dog that belongs to one of Paul's friends. And it, that dog stays at their kennels when he goes out of town to work. His and name's Bubba. His name's like. Bubba. Yep, Bubba's the little brown dog. Uh, Bubba uh, was appearing to have a problem with his tail. And Paul was trying to get a video of it to show his friend so that they could decide if he needed medical care or what to do about it. What you're hearing in the background, you heard Ma- Maggie say he's got something in his mouth. And then she says, it's a guinea. And then you hear Paul and another male voice say it's a chicken yeah and then you hear that other male voice say baba come on baba well uh that's alec murdoch there has they had two different people in court today one of them being the friend in question uh Mm -hmm. and another expert both verify that yes indeed that is his voice that video was made moments before those two died moments yeah. 
So I'm going to play the cleaned up version. Again, it sounds a bit creepy, but you'll really be able to hear those voices come through. Get it. Get that. Quit, Gash. Quit. It's okay. Come here. Come here, Come here, Gash. Shit. Post it. Gash. Hey, he's got a version now! Bubba. Hey, Bubba. It's a guinea! This is a chicken. Come here, Bubba! Come here, So Bubba is the family dog. Of course, he's never pictured, but you can hear what's going on in the background. Uh, who? No, I thought Bubba was the friend's dog. No? No, no. Bubba was, no, Bubba's the family dog. Oh, okay. He's the dog that was running around with the, the what chicken, mom thought was a guinea, but it was actually a chicken. Yeah. And it's not the dog that Paul is filming. No, no. The, ball, the dog that Paul is filming, I can't remember his name. Uh, he says it in the very beginning. But, uh, but yes, it is eerie and horrifying to think that this is literally right before these two died. But you can very clearly hear an older male, mm -hmm. an older female, and Paul. Like, there's cash, no cash, right. right Thanks, cash. Yep. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yep. Yep. That is, uh, that's chilling as hell. Mm -hmm. And that really blows his alibi out of the water that, huh, I was just taking a nap on the couch and then went to see my mom. No, you clearly did not and were not. That is an absolute right. lie. The and other... mom has Alzheimer's. She doesn't freaking know what time it is when he shows up. Like, right. she's not going to know. No, but they supposedly he had a caretaker there too as well. I'm sure we're going to hear from her, uh, yeah. but it doesn't matter. I mean, he... It, it appears that he must have killed them, gone to see mom for to establish an alibi, and then came back. Yeah. Uh, so there's another video in question. And I'm going to ask you guys if you maybe you've already seen it, maybe you already know what I'm going to talk about here. But if you haven't, I want you to just close your eyes, listen to this video, and interpret what you think you're hearing. Yep. <laughs> And sitting here talking today is, is tough. <laughs> it's just so bad. I did it so bad. When you asked the defendant about the traumatic picture. Let's listen to it again. That What that is is some uh, testimony from Murdoch to the police. It's a little bit hard to hear. I wish I would have blown that up. But just listen again. Listen to his voice and listen to what he says. <laughs> and sitting here talking today is, is tough. <laughs> it's just so bad. I did it so bad. When you asked the defendant about the traumatic picture that he saw of Paul and Maggie, what did he say? It's just so bad. I did him so bad. I did him so bad. Yes, sir. <laughs> so there's a big dispute about this video and about what he actually said. Did he say... It's just so bad. I did him so bad. He's talking about Paul. Uh, and we did say last week that Paul's, uh, unfortunately, and I'm sorry for saying this, but it's, it's in evidence and you'll hear it some more, but that Paul's brain was literally blown from his head. Right. And uh, so that's the picture he's talking about and, and the uh, scene he's talking about. He says... In the video, it sounds like, and the and the investigator said, he said, it's just so bad, I did him so bad. Yeah. The prosecution is, or the defense is saying that is not what he said. He's saying they did him so bad. So do you want to hear it one more time now? I hear I. I, I I've listened too. to it over and over again, and I hear I. But if you read, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like that uh, Facebook post that floats around that's, you know, is this uh, pink and gray or you know, teal and tan or whatever. People well, are hearing his something accent different. too, I think yes. is what makes it somewhat confusing. Mm -hmm. If you read through comments, of, uh, you know, articles about this online, it's pretty split on what people hear. So hear it one more time. And 
sitting here talking today is, is tough. <laughs> it's just so bad. They did it so bad. And you asked the defendant about the traumatic picture that he saw of Paul and Maggie. And you know, the thing is, the investigator said he said I. He was in the room with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I'll play with it a little bit. Maybe we'll play it again. Um, yeah. I can put it through some filters that might. There's a lot of. It, it's that kind of um, microphone where they just have a microphone in the room. Yeah, so it's picking up mic. all the ambient noise behind it. But I still hear I. I don't hear they. There's no. It, the. Yeah, there's no TH sound at all to me. It's either I or A, you know? Mm -hmm. A didn't feel bad, or A didn't feel bad. While crying, or I, but I still mm -hmm. hear I. He has cried a lot, a lot. And that, uh, you know, worries prosecutors a little bit that the, uh, that the jury is seeing all of the emoting here. However, a real blow to their case came in today, if they haven't had enough today. It is the fact that the judge has said, yeah, all of his financial misdeeds can be introduced into evidence. Ooh, so that's um, this that is really big. Sad, grieving dad and husband over here who saw the, uh, you know, discovered this crime scene and is so destroyed and is all doing all this sobbing and crying in court um jury y'all are about to uh discover just how bad this guy is yeah. that's huge that's huge because and the reason they want to bring it all in is because it's a part of their defense they're saying that the motive is financial the motive right. is the fact that he was in such a terrible financial pit and was in just about to get fully busted for all of the bullshit that he's done and was trying to cover himself, perhaps get uh, insurance money and also uh, get some sympathy from, you know, the, uh, the crowd here to help kind of cover up his crimes and to hopefully prevent having his, uh, all of his financials shown because See, with that case that Paul was in, and interestingly, the night that the police, you know, the night they were killed and the police arrived, he mentioned the lawsuit that Paul was involved in from, of course, the girl that was killed in the boating accident right. multiple times. Right. And the police and the, you know, investigators have really felt like that was his attempt to kind of be like, oh, it, was, it had to have been one of those guys. They were mad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there were only three people there that night. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll play with it some more and see if we can clean out a little bit more of the everything. Yeah, I'll run it through some filters and see if I can get that background noise out Yeah, and um, see what we can hear. Yeah. The problem is you can't really mess with audio much for court because that can be considered tampering. Yep. And so yep. likely they're just playing the original recording. They're probably, because the, the defense will have a big fit over any adjusting of it saying that it's been tampered with but at least for our purposes i can do that and i, I yeah. can't tamper the words what i can do is just take out some of that background noise so that yeah. we can hear it a little clearer yeah and boost the volume because the volume is pretty low too it is pretty low yeah we'll play with it so pretty interesting now the other thing that came out uh between yesterday and today is a lot of cell phone data a yeah. lot and again, the cell phone data totally defies what he says. Yep. It defies his timeline completely. It, uh, I, I'm not going to go through all of it because it is a lot, but it defies what he's saying. He's really, really going to struggle to be able to uh, uphold this, any of this alibi or story at this point, because his phone is defying the story that he's telling. And so are both of theirs. So... Yeah, I agree, Sarah. Murdaugh and Kohlberger are both similar in that they both thought they knew the system inside out would be able to outsmart everyone. Yeah. Well, and just that arrogance mm -hmm. that nobody's going to nobody's going to see it's me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When both of them really were very misguided in that. 
Mm -hmm. I think. Entirely. Yep. So there's quite a lot more, but uh, it's just a lot to cover tonight. And a lot of it's kind of boring, but essentially all of the cell phone data. And in fact, I'll share an article here too, that you guys can read through the cell phone data. It is interesting for sure mm -hmm. to kind of see what everyone was doing. It's also an interesting peek into Paul, who uh, basically was on Snapchat 24-7 and then suddenly was not. Yeah. Well, and isn't there a call from Alex's phone to Maggie's phone? Oh, yeah. There's a few. There's yeah. a call and a message. While he's uh, at mom's, he texts her, call me, babe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things like that. There's also some moving of the phones. Uh, these phones, I mean, the stuff that the data that they have about every time they, they move, the screen flashes on, anyone tries to access and turn on the phone. There is kind of a look that makes it seem like he might have tried to use Maggie's dead face to <sighs> phone to wake up. God. Yeah. It's it's all just, it's pretty something. So keep watching. I mean, there's a lot going on here, but the fact that they're going to allow all of his misdeeds to be interjected is pretty interesting. That that really, that's yeah. way bad for his team. Well, you know, after his defense, yeah, probably was like, should have over that one. Yeah. It'll, it'll make it look like he's a bad person. <laughs> because yeah. he is the worst of the worst. Come mm -hmm. on. You know, it's not like that's untrue that right. oh, he's done all this shit. Jeez. You know what you could do there, Murdoch? You could not be a bad person. That's mm -hmm. what you do if you don't want people to think you're a bad person. You stop yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So that's what's going on with that one. We'll keep way up on it and, uh, you know, give you guys the details. And But uh, it's all being televised, so you can certainly watch it and uh, draw your own conclusions as well. There's a lot going on with mm -hmm. it. Uh, speaking of a lot, uh, actually, let's not go quite to De Belvalo yet, because that's also a lot. Uh, let's talk about the Tito. Oh, yes. Okay. So, um, just a little bit of movement in Petito, not a ton, but there is an amended hearing for motion to compel responses, because what they want is an award for attorney fees. Mm -hmm. in Petito Schmidt versus Laundry, the civil suit. And we know that last week the judge said, yes, they can include Bertolino as one of the defendants in that case, which is humongous because it, mm -hmm. that doesn't usually happen to attorneys. So now there will yeah. be, um, they've moved it up. The, that was going to be in March. It's going to now be on February 14th on Valentine's Day. Um, so it's basically a case management hearing. And what they're asking is that they want, a response about um, getting an award for attorney's fees. Mm -hmm. So they've, you know, they're honestly, uh, Gabby's parents are going to get every penny out of this they can. And I think it's great. I think they mm -hmm. should. Absolutely. Yep. A very brief update in Michael Vaughn. There was an update from the city of Fruitland police on the 26th. They say the Fruitland Fruitland Police Department continues to investigate the abduction of five-year-old Michael Vaughn. At this stage in the investigation, investigators are working to validate information and follow up on new information we have received as a result of the last press conference. During the search warrant service at 1102 Red Wing, investigators recovered several pieces of evidence. Some of those pieces have been sent to a private DNA lab for further analysis. Good. I wouldn't send it to the Idaho crime lab at this point for mm -hmm. sure. That process will take time and we are patiently waiting for results. This investigation is multifaceted and will take time to bring to a conclusion. Our partnerships with the assisting agencies are strong and we continue to work closely with the Payette County prosecutor we continue to ask the community's patience as we pursue justice for Michael. The Fruitland Police Department is, is, is extremely grateful for the community support and all of those who have had the courage to bring new information forward. So that's interesting. So that is interesting. Mm -hmm. Because we know that looks like Sarah Wondra is out of the hospital. So it seems like she, yeah, she's supposed to be in court this month. So, yeah. so something's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm glad well, 
But the last press conference, they said they were looking for those two fools that had also been at the Wondrous. Right. So I'm guessing they have talked and there's mm -hmm. more information coming from that. Yep. You know, we've been frustrated. Everyone's been very frustrated in the uh, investigation of Michael Vaughn, uh, the disappearance of Michael Vaughn. Uh, however, for all of us naysayers, you got to take a little look at the Kohlberger or Kohlberger. Sorry. Uh, everybody said that in that investigation too. And suddenly they are making an arrest that it absolutely blows everybody's mind. Yeah. Well, thank you, spirit. Yes. Thank you. Right. Right. I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and we have mm -hmm. to be careful about judging mm -hmm. too quickly on an investigation like this because mm -hmm. they're keeping everything quiet. They have to, mm -hmm. you know, what, yes. what if they had let, you know, Coburg know what was going on. They had to yeah. be careful. But for the love of God, don't use the Idaho crime lab. No, do not. If it, no, they are Bellows very busy screwing up the Daybell case yeah. right now. Let's let's stay, leave them out of it. Yeah. All right. So there is that. Let's see. We still have. What do you have left? Just Daybell Vallow. Daybell Vallow. Okay, I've got a couple small things. Uh, do you guys remember Madalena Kojakari? Yeah. So Madalena is a little girl that went missing out of North Carolina. She's 11 years old. We did a story on her way back when. Mm -hmm. And basically, she's still missing. Her mom and stepdad did not report her missing for three weeks. Because, uh, well, she didn't want to upset her husband or make anything bad in her marriage. And he just didn't know where she was because he'd gone out of town and came back and she was gone. And he asked her mom a few times where she was, but he didn't, she didn't get much of an answer. And once and remember, school, she thought she was with him. Right. He thought he was with her. A, all of it, a raft of bullshit. And the school was finally like, listen, lady, produce your kid or else. Mm -hmm. So she said, I'll bring her to school tomorrow. Then she showed up at the school and said, I can't because I don't know where she is. Right. All of that shit. And mm. then, of course, it came out that her car had been seen over that three week period way out in the boonies and actually had a cop stop and talk to her and ask her if she was OK at one point, a deputy. And it was pretty sus. Well, guess what has emerged? This is an overlook. This is a picture of Madalena, and this is very near the spot where her car was seen. Oh, no. She had her with her. That little girl oh, is absolutely missing somewhere in that wilderness area. She absolutely is. Uh, but, uh, you know, everyone knew mom was a liar, liar, pants on fire, and so was dad. But this picture really, really starts to nail that one down. Yeah, it does. Very, very sad. That is the saddest damn case. It makes me so mad every time I look at this, that this went on and that it, she was missing for so long before those fools reported her missing because she wasn't missing. They know exactly where she's at. So that is coming. Yep. Oh, yes. I've been wondering about that. Thank you, GB. That uh, finally, Sarah Attorney's dad, Alyssa Attorney's dad, is going to uh, stand trial this year. Yep. Yeah, we were watching that one too. That's, yep. yeah. So that's what's up with uh, Madalena Kojakari. But, uh, mm. all right, Brian Koberger, yet another uh, straight at the top of the FOS list. Mm -hmm. Not a lot going on, except for that, in case you're wondering, yeah, the defense attorney stands. You know, the that one is, that everyone oh. said, Ann Taylor, everyone said, needs to recuse herself. And if she's not cool enough to do it, the judge really needs to do it for her because she was representing. We now know three, yeah. three of the victim's um, parents. Three. She was the power of attorney for one of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, how this could not be seen as a huge conflict of interest, I don't know. I am blown away. I, why would you risk this case? No, I do not get it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And, I, and I'm pissed and disgusted that they're letting this happen. I'm very curious what the prosecution thinks of this. I can't and imagine. I wonder if we're going to see them object over and over and over again to it. Because maybe I bet they have. 
But, you know, there... that case is gagged, so we have no idea what's happening. Well, yeah, there hasn't been a filing in this case since the 23rd. Yeah. That we know of. Uh, but the other thing that we learned, the New Yorker is reporting that the FBI, they had eyes on Brian as he was leaving Idaho. And within 10 miles of him, or not Idaho, Washington, within 10 miles of him leaving Washington, they lost him. And they lost him for a while and they were freaking the hell out yeah. because they had no idea where he went and they were still waiting on DNA and had yeah. weren't quite ready to make an arrest yet, but they had eyes on him to make sure they knew what was up. And luckily everybody's anxiety was uh, released when a license plate reader in Colorado picked him up. But from Washington clear into Colorado, they had no idea where he went. And by the way, that is many hours of travel. Many mm -hmm. hours. Holy mm -hmm. shit. It is uh, insane. The other thing they're saying is that uh, when he got pulled over twice in Indiana, they were freaking out as well uh, because they didn't want those officers in Indiana to tip arrest him, him or tip him off. Be like, wait a minute, they're looking for a white Hyundai Elantra out of those Idaho killings, right? Where, where are you coming from? You know? Luckily, they didn't. Nobody said anything, but it scared the shit out of them to uh, get to uh, that point. So somehow they DNA. managed to, uh, yeah, then track him all the way to the Poconos mm -hmm. and then got the DNA and were able to move in and make their arrest. Yeah. So that's a little terrifying. Yeah, it is. Also, they are also reporting that his dad told a family friend that he took a really weird route home that he didn't understand. Really? Mm-hmm. Because I was wondering, like, how did they lose him? It's not like there are that many highways through that area. Right? Yeah. He said he took kind of a weird roundabout route home that he didn't couldn't quite understand. Mm. Which may or, or may not meant anything because Brian's a weird dude. Also but, uh, can't see for shit. So I can't yes. believe he even has a driver's license to be perfect. I can't honest. either. Yeah. Yeah. So that's up with Brian. I think maybe that's everything except for Daybell Vallow. Let's see. Oh, the West. Trezell and Jacqueline West. Mm -hmm. Ugh. You know, we did an update on Trash that case. extraordinaire. Oh, good God. We did an update on that case a couple weeks ago because they were supposed to start their trial. This is on the missing and presumably murdered uh, little boys that were their uh, adopted sons, Orin and Orson. Mm -hmm. And they uh, are not going to trial yet. For lots of reasons, there's all these things happening. Now their attorneys are saying they're not ready. It's looking like March at this point. So we're still tracking it. We still want to see justice. We're still absolutely disgusted. But that's what's happening. So trial well, that was supposed to start yesterday, or Monday, not happening. Yeah. What about the lawsuit from birth mother? Oh, yes. So mom had, birth mom had a lawsuit against the state. Uh, because she believes that her rights were violated in the way those children were taken from her and her rights were severed and they were put up for adoption because they were, her rights were violated. And she had a lawsuit against the state for that that has been dismissed. Now, the judge said it was, basically the judge said it was filed incorrectly and mm -hmm. she's got to show up with better receipts and file it differently and, and he'll will allow her to refile but for now that lawsuit's been dismissed also the uh one of the birth grandfathers also had filed a suit and that should be heard this month but it's expected that that one will be dismissed as well honestly why he's filing a suit i don't know and it's for something like 600 million dollars it's, it's insane well, I he think needs hers to... was like 40 million or something mm -hmm. wasn't it? it was a lot yes but he needs to step back and let her do this yeah. that he shouldn't be doing this at all he needs no. to step back let her sue let her get justice she deserves justice she yes. absolutely deserves justice uh but all of his energy should go into supporting her not filing his own suit for yeah, all that money that is not yuckiness there well that just dilutes her case it's gross well also and, and this depends because this is california and i'm not sure but in idaho um grandparents would not have the right to file because they don't actually have legal rights yeah um, I don't know about California. I would imagine his case gets dismissed and, um, uh, he probably gets told to just stand 
F back. That's crazy. That's not okay. But uh, bio mom, bio dad, by all means file. You should file mm -hmm. and come with those receipts. Yeah. Get all of the representation you need. Surely they can get enough representation from all aspects, you know, yeah. in California to uh, get what they need, you know, to, to really be, I, I want her to, I want her to, and I want her to be successful because mm -hmm. if what she says happened is true, and I believe that it is, that's happening to other people too, which yeah. means CPS are essentially stealing people's children and giving them away to others. Yeah. And if that's really happening, that has got to have a bright light shown on it. It definitely so, does. Yeah. I think it's a rare thing, but I do think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Sarah says correct that he wouldn't grandfather wouldn't have any standing. That's what I figured. If he didn't have legal rights to the children, then he can't sue. Yeah. He didn't. It's gross. What he's doing That would be like I go file, you know, like Right. Yeah. They're not if they're not Obviously, your children then Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. They're these need to be yeah, she needs to be uh this needs to hurt her moment in the sun, if what she's saying is true. But uh, anyway, we'll see. So that's what's going on with all of that. <sighs> Let's talk about Daybell Vallow. Okay, so there's so much happening. But first <laughs> of all, the breath. <sighs> okay. okay, so you recall when we went to the hearing on the 19th, one of the big things here um, in that in that in that trial or in that hearing one of the things was the dna evidence from the state lab and that the defense didn't have it john Pryor clutched his pearls and sweated and turned bright red over and over again over it mm -hmm. and he kept saying well i know the prosecutor doesn't have it it's all needing to come from the state blah blah blah, blah. it was this big thing and they said if i don't get it in time then we're going to have to sever and the judge actually said that which was the first time he's ever said we might have to sever yeah. these trials right so uh, last week uh the prosecutor turned over which um by the way did happen i just Ooh. wanted to point out someone let us know that if we had actually listened to the trial we'd know that we were wrong about that um no. or, or to the to the hearing that we'd know we were wrong about that which was kind of entertaining yeah but, kind anyways, of was. Carry uh, on. but we were actually physically there so whatever <laughs> um i think we did yeah but here's the deal the prosecutor actually returned two reports DNA reports from the state lab to John Pryor. Mm -hmm. One of them was dated August of last year. Yeah. So they did what? have one of them. Yeah. Well, we don't know. Did they did the state lab not release it? But that's the day it was generated. One of them was in December. One mm -hmm. of them was in August. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. Is that when those reports were generated? Yeah. Or did they in fact have them and were playing bullshit we don't know it's also possible that they were in those four terabytes of data that's been turned over and that maybe they're going you do have it and he's saying we don't have it and they're saying well there is some that we don't have but you have what we have that could be true too we we're don't not know. sure but they did turn over two reports okay mm -hmm. so from there there's a lot so just bear with me um we'll get into all of this Let's see here. Let's talk about the, this is a bunch of filings from uh, the Lori Vallow-Daybell camp, which they have stated, by the way, oh, this is uh, some chat, some Lori, but um, her attorneys have now yeah. said who they will now refer to Lori as Lori Daybell. Yeah. Because everyone's been saying Vallow-Daybell. They're going to say Daybell mm -hmm. from now on. One filing from John Pryor on the part of um, Chad. Uh, this is a declaration of Greg Hampikian in support of motion to extend. Mm -hmm. So this is the Boise State professor of biology who is his, who is Chad's expert witness. And basically what he is saying is if he gets some DNA reports now that there's no way he can be ready with them by trial mm -hmm. and so he's just basically Which, honestly but bullshit yes you i can. know i agree i think it's bullshit but um he basically says that it will take a minimum of eight weeks once he's received all the information that he needs for a review mm -hmm. uh and that there's not going to be time so that's basically you know just 
mm-hmm. backing up what Pryor said in court. Right. This has just been filed with the judge. Right. So well, this then, is his uh, paid expert. So take that all with a grain of salt. This is his paid expert. So he's saying what he wants him to say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, then there's a bunch of filings from Lori's camp on voir dire. So voir dire is a part of jury selection where they start asking the jury um, really specific questions like, have you experienced domestic violence before? If you've been a, mm-hmm. a, you know, if you've been a victim of violent crime, what's your opinion on the death penalty? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. What they are asking is that those questions be asked uh, of, jur- of potential jurors in isolation. So normally, mm. if you've ever sat for jury selection, I have once, they ask all these questions from each person of mm-hmm. you in front of everyone else. Yeah. And, you know, they've talked a lot about bias and about how this kind of information can bias juries. And what they want is because they've asked that these questions not get asked at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to get that. So now they're saying, okay, fine, ask the questions, but can we please take them into a room privately to ask them these questions so that Mm -hmm. all of the other jurors don't hear their answers? Mm -hmm. We know that a lot of things are being asked that um, are probably they're not going to get because Idaho has a different view of the death penalty than the defense does. Mm -hmm. But that's what they're asking for is that this happen, you know, in isolation. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So then on part on the part of Lori, this is a motion to, to disclose penalty phase information. So because this is a death penalty case, there are two phases. There's the guilt phase and the penalty mm-hmm. phase. So we first decide, are they, you know, are they guilty of a crime and what is that crime? Then yeah. there's the penalty phase, which basically determines um, for the jury to determine whether, these are actual going, if they're sentenced to first degree mur- for first degree murder, are they going to get the death penalty? Mm-hmm. So um, basically this is some filings on the part of Lori's attorneys um, about the penalty phase. And they're asking for all exculpatory and non-exculpatory information that the um, uh, prosecution might have in their possession that would be relevant to the penalty phase of the case. Mm-hmm. So do they have anything? It can be things like um, expression of remorse on the part mm-hmm. of the defendant mm-hmm. um, or anything else that they might have that very specifically, and you know, that we're talking about the Brady stuff. You can't hold mm-hmm. back things that could prove that the, that the uh, right exculpatory evidence exculpatory that, evidence, that yeah. could make the defendant look better yeah yes that could prove their innocence that's illegal you can't do that so they're basically asking for all that information um so they're they're asking for any evidence concerning any of the statutory aggravating factors so the things that the aggravating factors that qualified them for the death penalty is there mm-hmm. anything relating to that that they haven't turned over Mm-hmm. any of the any mitigating factors pursuant to Brady so anything that could show that they might in fact be innocent um mm-hmm. anything which might reduce a juror's urge to sentence the defendant to death including mm-hmm. but not limited to remorse by the defendant um information concerning cooperation by the defendant with any law enforcement so mm-hmm. did they cooperate and help and if they did maybe that keeps them from the death penalty mm-hmm. Any information concerning a satisfactory adjustment to incarceration. So are they doing good in jail? Are they, you know, not causing problems and they, they have good behavior? Mm-hmm. And any information concerning victim impact in this case that might be offered. Mm-hmm. So these are, I think this is really standard stuff that, you know, everybody's going to ask for. Well, not everybody. John Pryor has not asked for any of it. Well, defense attorneys that are experienced with the death penalty let's put it that way yeah uh let's see then they want input on they have filed for motion for pre-selection instruction to potential jurors so they want input on the instruction to potential jurors basically to what their job is Mm -hmm. and and the um 
the uh, like questionnaire that they will be asked. Um, they've asked for a closing, a hearing, and sealing a record. So on January 31st, the court will call this case for a hearing regarding juror questionnaires. So that happened yesterday mm -hmm. and they closed that hearing. So we didn't get to know about that hearing, but we don't know what they discussed about juror questionnaires. Nope. Um, there was also a hearing on January 27th. This was an ex parte hearing. Um, pursuant to ICAR 32, the court finds that the hearing and record thereof ex are exempt from public disclosure. We don't really know what this was about, mm -hmm. um, but they sealed another one that was on the 27th. Mm -hmm which sucks. Um, yeah. And there was another one. This one I don't quite understand. And maybe Sarah can help us with this, but it says on January 19th, which was the day that we went to court, the mm -hmm. court scheduled an exigent ex parte hearing in this case to review documents lodged in camera with this court. Uh, the court finds that hearing and contents of the documents lodged. Oh, so they're just, they're sealing the documents, whatever those were, mm -hmm. um, are, are exempt from public disclosure. So that was sealed as well, but I don't know what documents that was mm -hmm. unless it was, it may have been the, the DNA results because those documents mm -hmm. were produced after that hearing. Maybe, maybe there's also a pretty interesting one, uh, about Chad's mental health. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> yeah. This is interesting. This is going to happen on the next hearing that we are going to go to. So I am very curious mm -hmm. about this. This is a subpoena. <laughs> this is a subpoena for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, specifically Joseph Osmond. Mm -hmm. Osmond, of course. Um, it says... <laughs> if you're wondering, yes, probably. Yeah, probably. Yep. Uh, you are commanded to appear before the district judge of the district court of the 7th Judicial District in and for the County of Fremont, State of Idaho on Thursday, February 9th, 2023 at 9 a.m. We will mm -hmm. be there yep. in the district courtroom at the Fremont County Courthouse as a witness in the above entitled matter and to then and there answer such questions under oath <coughs> concerning <laughs> the following proof of church membership of Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow. Mm -hmm. Interesting because this is filed by this is filed by um, Lori's yeah camp, but they're asking for Chad's records too. Mm -hmm. Hang on, <coughs> gosh! All copies of Native records generated contemporaneous with each visit to a church temple. This is really interesting. Mm -hmm. From October 1st, 2018 to November 30th, 2019, mm -hmm. indicating the dates, times, and locations where Chad Daybell and or Lori Vallow attended said temples. So yep. there's a whole bunch of stuff a long, long time ago in this case mm -hmm. where they were talking about going to a temple. And, and it was the one in, in Gilbert, I Gilbert, think, Arizona. Gilbert, yeah. <clears throat> and they talked about some of their conversations about actually murdering her husband were in there. Mm -hmm. They also um, did a ceiling and married each other in there, which was mm -hmm. complete bullshit. They did a whole bunch of stuff that was mm -hmm. actually totally against what Mormons do in the right. temple. They had to have been kind of sneaking around or lying about who they were. Like yeah. there's, there's some really weird stuff around that that uh, these things were going on in the temple, they were both sealed to other people. Right. You can't, but these weren't, uh, I mean, they weren't rites that like uh, officiants at the temple were doing. Chad was doing them. Chad was doing them. Yeah. So there was a bunch of creepy weird shit around that. So they have given him, <coughs> this Osmond guy, sorry, mm -hmm. the chance to, instead of showing up, to provide um, documentation to Detective Ray Hermosillo at mm -hmm. the Rexburg PD. Yeah. Um, said information is to be used in criminal prosecution by the state of Idaho. The subpoena is continuing and you are commanded to turn over copies of the documents to said office as they become available. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting. It is because so far, <laughs> at least according to what's filed, the church has not responded. Mm -mm. And initially 
when Mark Means was trying to, uh, you know, dredge some stuff up with the church, yeah. the church sent out a big notice to all of their peeps. <clears throat> you don't talk to law enforcement. You don't talk to attorneys. You don't talk to prosecutors. You talk to us. And we'll tell you who you can talk to and what you can say. Yeah. So this is very interesting. It is. It's very interesting. But this is clearly, he's a church employee. He he's is some. A- He's also an employee of Curtin McConkie. Yes, he is. <laughs> and if you've been following this case, you know how insane that is. Uh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. So then. Are you okay? Stay- You're dying. Yes. <laughs> I get these tickles in my throat, um, yeah. but I got a mint in. I think that's going to help. So okay. then another one by uh, Daybell. This is a state's motion in limine on mental health evidence. So the prosecutor's office basically wants to know, are they going to present any mental health evidence as defense for Chad for at the time of the crimes? Mm -hmm. Um, So they want to know, have you had any evaluations that say, yeah, he was totally psychotic and out of his mind at the time that he committed the murders? We haven't seen anything in relation to Chad's mental health before. Nothing. Never. <clears throat> Ever. So this is very a conversation. Yeah. And are they, there's not, they've never said anything about Chad's mental health being a mitigating factor at all. No. But I think they want to know, like, are you going to present an expert that says, yes, he was psychotic at the time that he did this and therefore he's not responsible. Right. Because... If that's the case, then, of course, the prosecution is going to get their expert to evaluate him as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So that's a lot of what's going on. But let me get to the rest of it because (laughs) it never ends. Let's see here. Then we have. um, This is the uh, prosecutor. Um, Oh, no, this is Dave Belvallo again. Uh, The following motions will be heard Thursday, February 9th. Motion to dismiss for lack of speedy trial. We know that. They're talking about that, you know, her her rights have been violated. It's pretty ridiculous considering how long she was in the hospital and all the stuff that's happened. Mm -hmm. The motion will Well, and then the stay this fall as well. I mean, there was a brief stay this fall as well. I mean, that's pretty hard to... But basically, they're just trying to twist the arm of the judge and be like, uh, yeah, again... If Pryor wants to push this off for another year, we don't. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then also the the voir dire where they want to, you know, do the questioning of the jurors individually mm-hmm. and um, to disclose the penalty phase information and for instruction of jurors. So they're saying mm-hmm. that that day that these are the these are the things they are planning to present. Yeah. Which. Um, should be pretty darned interesting for us because we will be there and sharing this stuff with you. Here's, uh, let's see. Oh, they're going to present Lori's, this was stuff about, sorry. Oh, here we go. I got on the wrong page. Well, there's only a few billion of them, so it's understandable. So this is uh, Daybell, or this is Vallow, or Daybell, Daybell Vallow. Lori, it's Lori. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got to slow down. Are you okay? <laughs> so they're basically filing, um, they're asking for some things, uh, and, and they're talking about what they are going to present as their defense. Mm-hmm. So they're going to defend, they're going to um, admit exhibits, photographs, papers, and documents, this is the stuff they're going to present that is around the guilt phase of the trial that includes things like her alibi. Remember, we've been talking about they're saying that they have defense witnesses that are going to help them to um, say she wasn't there at any of the times that the kids were killed. So they're saying that they have an intent to rely on an alibi. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying Man, it's so interesting when they say this stuff because it's like they're literally admitting. Mm -hmm. Uh, The defendant, Lori Vallow, was in her apartment at 175, apartment number 175 at 565 Pioneer Road in Rexburg when J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan died in the apartment of Alex Cox. 
we know that happened 10 days apart. So it's very interesting to me, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, and then they're also saying that she was with Melanie Gibb, da- David Warwick and or Chad Daybell um, at that time. And that's when they were all staying with her because mm-hmm. they had come to stay with her and they were doing that, you know, podcast and conference podcast thing. And yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, they also are asking for any video evidence that the state has, like ring doorbell camera evidence from around that time. And we know that there is some mm-hmm. because there's been talk of it. It's one of the ways that we know basically when the kids died. Yeah. Um, they're also saying that they do not intend to call any expert witnesses during the guilt phase of the trial. Mm-hmm. Um, they will call some um if, if she is convicted of first-degree murder, um, then they will call Mark Cunningham, who I think is a doctor, psychiatrist, and Dale Watson. I think they're both mental health professionals who have evaluated her. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to bring them in if she is convicted, but they're not going to bring that in during the guilt phase. Mm-hmm. And they're not planning to bring in any other expert witnesses. See, they don't care about that DNA. They're not interested in it at all. They're not, not quibbling all. over it. They don't They don't care. No. Uh-uh. They don't intend to raise her mental health as, um, as a defense mm-hmm. in the guilt phase of the trial. Only yeah. in the, only in the, um, in the guilt, yeah. Yeah, not in the guilt phase in, of the trial. In the sentencing in the, phase, yeah. In the sentencing phase, yeah. So basically, they're just saying, you know, we're going to try to keep her out of the out of the death penalty with this information, but we're not going to use it as as a reason for what she did. Yeah. Which is pretty it's pretty interesting because they're really I mean, they're saying she wasn't there physically mm-hmm. at the time, but they're also saying we're not debating the fact that she, these kids were murdered and that she had something to do with it that she knew. Right. Sarah, you're right. Sarah said that's interesting strategy. Sounds like she's still planning to plead out. Agree. We absolutely feel like that is really where they're headed. That's what they're trying to accomplish with her. Mm -hmm. I think the hard part though, is that that's, I really suspect that it's exactly what her attorneys really, really want to do. Right. But can they get her to sign on? Yeah. So here, okay. Here are the actual dates for the forensic DNA reports. This answered my question, which are the reports generated pursuant to the parties stipulated, Mm -hmm. dated August 9th, 2022, and January 9th, 2023, were disclosed to defense on January 25th, 2023. So, no, they did not have them before They did not have it. These are the dates. They had that one clear back in August. Why did they not turn it over? Idiots. They have done a bad job. Yeah, but it's this... crazy because they said they were going to do a bad job. Mm-hmm. They said, they we don't want to do it. We want it to go out to another lab. And then pretty soon they were doing it. This should have never been left with them. Right? They don't have the space. They don't have the tech. They just, it shouldn't have been them. No. But why had they not turned over that report in August? That is so stupid. Why hasn't the FBI done the forensics? I don't understand. The FBI did the forensics in the Moscow Four. Why the well, hell didn't they do them in Daybell Vallow? They were just because the judge said the state was doing it. <laughs> the yeah. judge said, Oh, you will do it. Mm-hmm. I know it's very interesting. Dumb. I think yeah. This is the last thing. So prior on day on uh, Chad's part has filed an objection. Uh, it looks as though. Um, there are concerns, and I think this probably has to do with the uh, grand jury. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're objecting to any evidence, any, any evidentiary testimony being um, presented at trial where the witness is absent from trial. Mm-hmm. Because they're saying that that doesn't give him the right to confront his accuser, basically. Yeah. And so I kind of think this is blanket. It doesn't, 
it doesn't seem to me to be anything that was like a specific person. Mm -hmm. Just that they're just saying over overall, we're we're um, objecting to using any witness statement that the witness is not physically present, so yeah. that we can cross examine. Yeah, seems pretty, you know, pretty standard. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sarah. So in the trial or in the hearing that we went to on the nineteenth. Archibald made it very clear that they do not want to go to trial mm -hmm. and that in death penalty cases in Idaho, he sees going to trial as a loss because mm -hmm. when they go to trial, he knows they're either going to trial to get life or death penalty. Mm -hmm. There's really, because of the way that jurors are chosen in Idaho, that there's not really an opportunity for a, an innocent, um, a not guilty outcome. Yep. And that he prefers to plead these out because, and it is because in Idaho, they can ask people if they um, have like a, a moral or religious objection to the death penalty. And if they do, they don't get on the jury. Mm -hmm. So everyone on the jury is pro-death penalty. Mm -hmm. Unless the judge granted their request because they did file to not death penalty certify the jury and the judge hasn't right. actually ruled on that that we know of well but i believe he has is uh is sealed yeah oh thank you sarah i yeah. appreciate that um i believe that they did because they have had a sealed hearing around yeah. the jury questionnaire already and it was sealed mm -hmm. so i think that has been ruled upon mm -hmm. but we don't know what so to too yep that's it Okay, Ooh, well then enough, let's right? close this out with a tiny bit more of De Belvalo. This is, you know how the Daily oh, yeah. Show, they have your moment of zen. Figure this is your moment of zen. Um, <laughs> little Marky Means has been super busy on Twitter, as usual. Mm -hmm. He's been twitting it up. And he has said some things that are so damn funny that I just really wanted to share them with you guys. So uh, here we go. Nate Eaton posted on Twitter. Rob Wood responding to Thomas. I'm not going to get into the evidence of the case. Sufficient to say a grand jury has found probable cause that she did commit these crimes. Marky Means responds, a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich if that's what you wanted. This is a <laughs> quote by Chief uh, Judge Sol Watchler. <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. Nate Eaton said, we need to be able to talk settlement and plan strategy. He's quoting Archibald. Mm -hmm. As we prepare for settlement conferences, as we prepare for medication, I think, I'm not mediation sure what medication is what medication, it should have been. Mediation. I'm asking for an order from the court, and I'd like it to start today. And Mark had commented on that. Unfortunately, you can't quite see it here. Uh, but somebody responded to Mark, called True Crime Junkie, who said, if you actually follow the case beyond Twitter, you would know that Lori and Chad have flipped on each other already. <laughs> and Mark responds, geez, with a smiley, winky face. <laughs> if you had actually followed the case more than on Twitter, what do you think you're talking to? <laughs> right? This What the hell? They have not flipped on each other. No, they have not. Well, no, she was saying they, that was a response to something Mark Means said. Oh, actually, to something Mark Means said. said to Mark oh. Means, if you'd actually followed this case beyond Twitter. Not knowing who he is. <laughs> If you'd actually followed this case beyond Twitter, you wouldn't have uh, said that, dummy. He was yeah. right in the center of it for quite a while. Nate Eaton. Prosecutor Rob Wood notes that in the past five years, he has only asked for one death penalty in one case. This one says it's rare to ask for it. <laughs> Marky Bean's comments. Hence the request and or his request and hired. Wait, got to be ready. Outside gun. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we are with the air quotes. They're back. <laughs> You know how much he hates the outside gun. He's referring yes. to the special prosecutor, Rachel Smith. Smith yeah. who he tried desperately to get removed from this case. That yeah. one absolutely light his ass off. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Nikki Fleming, re responding to uh, Nate News Now, says, I can't argue with the dysfunction of the Idaho courts and system. I was born and raised 20 minutes from where this occurred. I hope the state does not mess this up. The family deserves justice. While I am not a fan or supporter of these two, I agree they are entitled to their rights. Mark responds to her. When we compromise our inalienable rights because we do not care for the defendants, we compromise ourselves and shame those who have sacrificed to create said rights. In a case of this magnitude, we should shine a brighter light on the process, not 
backroom shenanigans. Air <laughs> of course How many can. times have we heard this from him about backroom shenanigans? Yes, a lot. And I mean, he's not wrong. We're all mm-hmm. damn tired of everything getting sealed. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, this happened before the motion to dismiss. Nate Eaton, quoting Boyce, if we are still up to on the eve of trial and the state has exculpatory evidence that did not provide prior enough time, at that point, the cases may be severed. Boyce says he's not going to force Daybell into trial if he hasn't had enough time to examine exculpatory evidence. Little Marky means. Mm-hmm. At that time, you dismiss. Prosecution dragging their feet and appears intentionally on production of evidence, unwritten Idaho precedent. <laughs> I wonder if this was before or after that uh, report was generated or that filing was generated with the dates and when those reports were actually was, submitted and when they were. It was about that time. Yeah. That's pretty funny. And the last one, which actually still has me chuckling. If you think it's impossible to leave the mafia, you ought to try to shake the American Red Cross, Little Marky means, or the LDS Church. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite. He said something I agree with. What? Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) He kills me on Twitter. I am absolutely dying. It's killing me that he's actually responding to anything about this case. At one point, I saw somebody say, didn't the judge kick you off this case? And he said, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, he did. You should shut up. Oh, oh bad. It's just too much. Anyway, well, there you have it. That's all of the uh, belligerent herd circuses going on across the country right now that we're talking about. Yeah. There's a lot more of them, but, you know, there, there. there's only so many hours in the day, so... Right. We'll be back next week with all of our regular, uh, regularly scheduled programming. Yes, we Thanks, will. you guys, as always, for all of your support. Uh, we appreciate you immensely. Please like, share, follow. Come find us on Twitter. Come find us over at truecrimesquad.com. Come join our discussion group on Facebook. It's the True Crime Squad discussion group. Love to mm-hmm. see you there. And that's what we've got. Yep. All righty. Well, this has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thank you.